you're listening to the Locked In Podcast. Here's your host, Algernon Cash. I'm Algernon Cash, and you're locked in. We've always known that North Carolina had a great climate for business. Um, I mean, for many, many years, we've all talked about it. But it feels like in the last year or so, North Carolina has really exploded and not so much in the usual places that we think about, like Charlotte and Raleigh, but a lot more so here in the core, in the central part of the state here in what we call the triad. A lot of big economic development announcements recently. So I wanted to bring together a roundtable of political and business leaders to talk about the state of North Carolina and so I want to just help you guys welcome my, my participants for today. Locked in with us today is Robbie Perkins, who's a dealmaker out of Greensboro, former mayor of Greensboro as well, as well as Representative Zinger, um, who represent, represents Forsyth County in the North Carolina House. And we have our state treasurer, Dale Falwell, is also locked in as well. All you guys have been here before, so welcome back. Thank you all for locking in with me. Thank you. Thank you, Algernon. Always a pleasure. Thanks yes, yes. Me. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Great to be, great to be here. So I, I guess to just sort of kick into it, um, you know, you heard me mention before, I mean, all of us on the, on, you know, that's all, part of the conversation today, we've always known North Carolina had a great climate for business. I think everybody on this, this panel would agree with that. But it feels like here in the last year or so, and even more specifically, like in the last six to eight months, We've just seen a string of big announcements um, right here in the core part of the state and in some other areas down and around Charlotte and out near Raleigh and RTP. Um, I guess to just start with with you, Robbie, because you you hear about a lot of these deals before a lot of us. What what changed here in North in North Carolina the last year? What what unleashed all this economic development that we're seeing? Well, you know, number one, North Carolina has been prepared. Uh, and we've been getting prepared by getting our tax rate right at the state level and uh, our infrastructure right. Uh, uh, we are seen as a positive place to do business. And uh, frankly, I think the folks in, uh, in California are doing us some favors. Uh, and when you combine the regulatory environment uh, in states like California, New York, uh, Illinois, with the uh, uh, the drought in the western part of the country, uh, North Carolina and the whole southeast seems to be the place where everyone wants to move to. That's awesome. That's awesome. Representative Zinger, you want to weigh in on that that same question? What's changed here in the last year? What's driving all this growth? Well, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it, the, the states, some of these states, you know, New Jersey, New York, um, Connecticut, Illinois, Michigan, they're just doing everything they can uh, to push people out. And so it's it's stunning. You know, we've started our campaign and started door knocking. And, and I'll tell you what, it takes a long time. A lot of doors you have to knock before you meet somebody that's from North Carolina. And so folks are coming in from all over the place and they're just they're fleeing and they want opportunity. Listen, people want to be able to raise their families, do right by their kids and, and have businesses and these other places are making that, you know, very, very difficult. And so they're coming to the place where they see the pastures are green. And that happens to be North Carolina. And North Carolina has done a lot of right things to create the right business environment. And people are looking it up and they're, they're choosing to move to the southeast. And particularly, they're choosing to move to North Carolina because of these policies. You know, Treasurer Falwell, you're, you're in a unique position because um, you, you are a former legislator, um, former business guy, you've been involved in business, you have CPA. 
but you also are, are someone that's charged with um, preserving and protecting the fiscal health of, of the state of North Carolina. So you're also in a unique position um, to have a perspective from that end. What, what do you see happening here in North Carolina? What's, what's changed to unleash all this economic development here? Oftentimes I wear a lapel pin that has NC on it and your uh, listeners obviously know that's the abbreviation for North Carolina, but for our purposes for being locked in today, it stands for nothing compares. Uh, as the keeper of the public purse of North Carolina, which by the way is one of the largest pools of public money in the entire world is what we manage here at the treasurer's office. Uh, nothing compares uh, with us. We would, I would not trade places with any other state treasurer in the United States. And I sort of uh, want to build on what the, the mayor said about being prepared. You know, Pasteur, Louis Pasteur once said, luck favors the prepared mind. Now, I wasn't around when he said that, but I imagine he said it because when he developed the pasteurization of milk, people said he got lucky. <laughs> You know, he had been in the, in, the, in the lab for 18 years, but they said he got lucky. So this, uh, in answer to your question, this was not an ev- a revolution. It just didn't happen like that. This was an evolution of a general assembly who was balancing budgets, building surpluses, bringing regulatory certainty uh, to North Carolina. And we talk about the big announcements, but uh, let's be clear, the biggest announcement it was never made. And that's the announcement of the engine of small and medium-sized businesses in this state Mm. have expanded uh, dramatically over the last 12 years as workers' comp's been reformed, unemployment insurance been reformed, headed toward zero corporate income tax rate. So as I said earlier, this was an evolution over about a 10 or 12-year period of time that looked like a revolution. You know, Treasurer Falwell, you mentioned um, you're the keeper of the public's purse, and I think large companies look at states to see how fiscally they're he- healthy they are before they want to move into a state. I guess give my audience a little update on, I mean, what, what is the fiscal health of, of the state of North Carolina right now? As I said a few moments ago, uh, nothing compares. I wouldn't trade places. And now, uh, instead of Louis Pasteur, let's talk about Calvin Coolidge. Unless you were around uh, back then, you've never heard of a city, a county, a state, or a country where the debt has dropped by 60%, Mm. 60%. And I can say as the state treasurer in North Carolina, the state debt is falling by 60%. Five of those in the eight-year period, five of those years are in the rearview mirror, Hmm. And I've already announced or pre-refunded all the debt for the next three years to make sure this happens. So that's an example of what people see when they look to North Carolina to either uh, relocate or expand their business that's already here. They look for regulatory certainty, financial certainty, and as far as the keeper of the public purse, uh, someone who speaks to them like adults and what they hear makes common sense. You know, Representative Zinger, you, you all just finished up the short session, short legislative session, probably felt like another long legislative session. <laughs> um, what all went on in that session? Any, any policies coming out of that session that sort of contributes to what we're seeing here in, in terms of the, the health of North Carolina's economy? Or 
But one of the things, you know, we did a budget amendment in the last, this, in the short session, as well as in the long session, you know, we had so much, um, we cut taxes, but we also had capital to help these municipalities around the state deal with some capital projects. And so, you know, everything from, from towns that needed, you know, some new roads or they needed to update their sewer systems or that kind of stuff, stuff that was really going to be out of touch or was going to cause tremendous amount of debt. Well, here we go. We've got a bunch of money. It's not borrowed money. It's, it's surplus. And we were able to, t- to move that around the country, around the state to, to help these municipalities do that. And what that does is it helps keep tax rates low. It takes the pressure off that. It helps them get the infrastructure moving along and to continue to keep up with the tremendous influx of folks that are coming to the state and the development that's happening. You, you know, Robbie, at the outset of our conversation, you heard me mention that, you know, the climate of North Carolina, the business climate of North Carolina has always been very strong. We, we've seen a lot of activity in and around Raleigh and Charlotte for, for many years. Um, feels like now, I mean, you heard the treasurer talk about the fiscal health of the, the state. Um, you heard Representative Zinger talk about the regulatory climate of the state. Um, what what has changed in the sense that allowed for some of the growth and prosperity that's happened in the state to be more even, more balanced? You see more of that that Carolina core coming online um, to compete with the the Raleigh and the Charlotte markets as well. Well, you know, one of the things I think our our legislature has done a great job with is is investment all over our state. And they recognized that Charlotte and Raleigh were really outliers because of uh, their tremendous growth over a period of years. And they're on everybody's top 10 list as, as a place to move in in the whole country. Uh, but uh, those of us in the triad have always felt like if if we could just catch a break, that we could become the third leg of that economic development stool in North Carolina. And uh, I think with the uh, latest uh, announcements with VinFast and with uh, the Toyota announcement, uh, uh, all of the good things happening in in the uh, uh, downtown core in Winston-Salem, Greensboro and High Point, uh, that uh, uh, we're really on a roll. I think uh, the next 10 years in the in the Carolina core, the Piedmont triad is going to be exception. Now, we we see a lot of changes happening at the national level, Robbie, in terms of interest rates going higher. We're, we're battling. A, a, a We've got a bad um, fight with inflation right now that's going on. I mean, with some of the, the, the macro trends that you see happening, you being the deal maker that you are doing some of the larger real estate transactions that we see here in North Carolina. I mean, do you see some of those variables potentially knocking us off the path that we're on right now? Uh, you know, Algernon, I spent the last uh, uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday at a seminar with other uh, uh, office and industrial realtors from across North and South Carolina. There are about 150 of us, and this is a, a pretty elite organization. We had a speaker uh, named Casey Conway in, and Casey is a, a real uh, thinker in this real estate realm. And uh uh, Mr. Treasurer, uh, I need to send you his comments because uh, it's interesting reading. He thinks that we're in the right place no matter what happens to the rest of the country. North and South Carolina are in the right place at the right time and can, and can sustain 
this growth and this momentum through just about anything. Uh, we've got the, the ports of Mobile and uh, the port of Charleston that are the two largest deep water ports on the East Coast. They can handle anything. And, and they've got rail. Uh, and that rail serves 70 percent of the population of this country. It's east of the Mississippi. So uh, what what's happening on the West Coast is just going to drive things further east. You're going to see all kinds of new construction, all kinds of folks moving in here for these new jobs. So you're going to see a, a robust housing market. Uh, and uh, even if interest rates go up a little bit, uh, they're still not anywhere near the 10 and 5 eighths percent that I had to get for my first mortgage in 1979. You know, Treasurer Falwell, I'm, I'm going to ask you somewhat the same question, because I, I know you've been watching the economy and markets for, for many decades prior to you becoming Treasurer, even before you becoming a member of the state legislature. But I know you're also talking to some of the smartest economists that we may have here in the state as well right now. What are you seeing out on the horizon as we fight this battle with inflation and some of the macro trends happening at a national level? Well, let's be clear with your listeners Inflation is a thief, a thief like anything else. And it's especially a thief on our lower and fixed income individuals of our state because they have nothing to inflate. Uh, so when people talk about the consumer price index, which is ridiculous because it doesn't include food and energy, uh, by the looks of the four of us, I don't think any of us could live without food and energy. Uh, and uh, the unemployment rate only includes those people able, available, and seeking employment. Hmm. I mean, it's time that this country redefined what these terms mean because they're not in locked in, so to speak, with what's happening, especially with our lower fixed income people. I know there's a lot of uh, padding on the back uh, when you look at North Carolina census and the strength of our torso, uh, but the fact is, is that as the chief keeper of the public purse and state treasurer, chair of the state banking commission, chair of the local government commission, I can tell you that we have to continually worry about the legs and the arms and the toes and the fingers of our state, not just the torso. And there is still tremendous financial stress. Some of these communities barely got through the recession of 9-11 as they were recovering from that uh, they were hit with a great financial crisis. Mm. As they were recovering from that, they were hit with COVID. And now they're being hit with higher interest rates. So uh, I'm not trying to be a buzzkill on locked in uh, this morning, but I can tell you that we need to think about inflation being a thief for our lower and fixed income individuals. And we need to think about rural North Carolina. Well, and, and staying with that, that staying in that vein, Treasurer Falwell, you talk about this thief that we all call inflation. <clears throat> what is your office and your what, what is your in your position? What are we doing to make sure the retirees of um, North Carolina are able to deal with this thief that we call inflation? If you're asking me about uh, cost of living adjustments, those are things that are uh, voted on by the General Assembly. Uh, I can tell you that uh, what we've done as far as managing one of the largest pools of public money in the world is that we entered 2022 with the highest levels of cash equivalents and the shortest duration of bonds. And any of your listeners who look at their portfolios uh, understand that there's only been two places to hide this year. 
cash equivalents and short duration of bonds. Hmm. We had the highest levels of those in state history. <clears throat> As a member of the Council of State, one of my responsibilities is to give what we call an interest report. Fifteen months ago, the interest report on the stiff uh, that short-term investment fund that we managed for a lot of cities and counties and, of course, the state, uh, it, it was yielding 0.2%. Now it's over almost 200, uh, almost 2%, 200 basis points. Hmm. So uh, we've seen interest rates go up. So we are, we are inoculated from the state standpoint because we had already refinanced this debt over the last five years. I mean, paid it off. We have pre-refunded the next three years, so we're not going into the bond market trying to borrow money at higher interest rates. Hmm. And thanks to the discipline and the strategy of the General Assembly, both Representative Singer, those that he serves with, and those that served before he got there, um, you know, some of the projects that we were going to issue debt for have become pay-go. So they just paid for them out of the budget. So it goes back to what I said uh, 15 minutes ago, and that is that NC stands for nothing compares as far as our balance sheet, but we need to have a strong, we need to always advocate for the invisible, especially rural North Carolina, lower and middle and the uh, fixed income individuals. Treasurer, I appreciate that. That was a really good overview of what's going on here. Um, I, I feel like I could maybe go, go out and quote the fiscal health of North Carolina right now. So that's pretty good. <laughs> Um, Representative Zinger, you know, there's been some statewide polls done where they've asked voters what are some of the biggest concerns that they have. Inflation and the economy is one that comes back, number one, um, repeatedly. Um, some states have looked at these cost of living type subsidies and checks that have went out to the residents of their state. What, what's the current conversation in the General Assembly about this thief that we're all calling inflation today? I think everybody's got uh, some different ideas about it. I, I will say that, you know, it is a thief, and as the treasurer pointed out, it's 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 those that are on tighter um, tighter budget that it really affects. You know, it's a big nuisance for me. But when I was growing up, it was underneath the uh, Carter administration with in a single parent household. And let me tell you, it was the difference between what we ate. It was the mm. difference between what we did. And so, I think there's a lot of different um, uh, different ideas of what to do. I currently would like to. I personally would like to see us try to do things to help us grow our grow our way out of the uh, out of this, so that it's not doesn't affect us as much. The problem with the you know the cost of living increase and stuff is we are reactionary, and so you know there are people hurting right now. Uh, but by the time we get to it, you know then what will it be? A perfect example is you know last summer at this time we were raising teachers' pay by four point eight percent. But we didn't have any idea that we were going to have, you know, 8.2% inflation or 92 or whatever it is six months later. And so they're already behind because of the inflation. So I think that some of those things that you mentioned could be talked about, but I really want to see us try to um, incentivize more people to get back to work and continue to grow the economy so that we can, um, you know, grow our way out of it and have it not be quite as a, uh, have quite the impact. And, and part of growing, um, part of uh, the pain associated with that growth is the, the housing boom that you just heard Robbie mention. Um, that's actually the number two polled item when you talk to North Carolina voters about their biggest concerns is about the affordability of housing. Um, you and I have had a lot of conversations offline uh, about some thoughts that I think about, you know, when it comes to local government preventing um, high density development and allowing for housing prices to be more affordable. 
Is there any strong conversation in the General Assembly right now? And you're also a construction guy. Um, is there any strong conversation in the General Assembly about how we address the affordability of housing um, with, with all this economic development that we see coming to the state? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that will be in, that will be something that will be forefront. Um, right before the end of the uh, session, I had a great group of realtors and developers and stuff come visit me in Raleigh. And we had a long conversation. I kind of threw out some ideas. There are some real ways to, that we some things we can really do to tackle it. We recognize the uh, the problem. Um, we really just the, the problem is the, the overall problem is just getting everybody to get a consensus. But I feel like because the problem is getting extreme enough that we are we're moving in that direction. And I would expect some legislation to do some things. We're going to probably have to deal with some zoning issues. We're going to have to deal with some other things that we there's some ways that we could incentivize um, workforce housing, for instance, which is a huge need. Um, and, and some other things like that, that I think we can do from the state level, which, which I think needs to happen because at the municipality level, it's much harder for them to do things because it usually happens when there's a project that comes before them and then everybody is not looking at the big picture and so on. So I think it's going to have to come from the state level. I think we've got great opportunity to do that in the next uh, legislature. And, and because of the severity of the problem, the conversations are there, we're going to make something happen. I'm going to be on the forefront of that for sure. Well, and, and for my audience, you, you know, I am a small government guy, so I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of, of local government and municipalities retaining um, control and, and authority. But, but I do think the local zoning laws have been uh, abused and, and, and has prevented high density development, which has also allowed for the um, affordability of housing not to be addressed. So I, I, I do think we've gotten to a point where, unfortunately, um, the state does need to intervene um, to, to make sure that we can address this on a local level because we've got a strong sense of nimbyism that, that's really preventing us to, to, to be able to address this at the local level. Gentlemen, before I get, I'm, I'm getting ready to move into close, so I'm going to ask you one or, one or two last questions here. Um, Robbie, to go back to you, we've talked a lot about what's happening here in the state um, you, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans. I always tell people you were you were one of the first guys that were predicting um, some of this growth could come to what we call the Piedmont Triad or the heart of the Triad. Um, what other opportunities should we be thinking about? What should we be looking forward for, uh, forward to as we keep moving? Well, you know, I think the the treasurer brought up this uh, urban rural situation that we've got to take care of the folks in the rural areas, and I think one of the things that we really have to do is 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 uh, try to pair uh, the, the good things that are happening in some of our our cities that where the jobs are being created uh, with the folks that need those opportunities. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and get the transportation system right, uh, the the part type of things uh, where you can get people to work, uh, but also. Uh, I think you have to create places that are cool, neat, and interesting, uh, not only in the center cities, but in the small towns. Uh, some of the more interesting downtowns uh, were created in some of our smaller cities, like the maybe the Madison, using Madison as an example, a mm. uh, 100 years ago, and they were forgotten about. And now they need to come back. So if we can put some sort of, of credits in place to, to help those businesses in those areas uh, make a comeback and create the, the little restaurants or the housing in some of the older buildings that are already standing, uh, that's something I think we can do to the, to the benefit of everybody. 
I, I love some of the revitalization that's happened in Kinston, um, where, where um, um, Stephen Neal, I think it's Stephen Hill, has, has led some of that re revitalization there. And they've created the little um, Mother's Earth Travel Lodge and, you know, I always stay there when I go in town. So a lot of great things happen in there. Um, Representative Zinger, what are some some threats that might be out there? What are some things that we haven't talked about maybe we should be thinking about? I think that the biggest thing right now, the biggest threat is we have a manpower problem. You know, it's great that we're bringing all of these jobs here, um, but boy, we need we need people to fill them. You know, there's not a business out there right now that can't hire somebody and they just can't find them. I was with a business owner this morning and he's at a point where he's ready to start to retire. But he said, I can't stop working because I can't get anybody to to be here. And so the second part of that is. A lot of these jobs that are coming are jobs that need some level of education beyond um, uh, high school diploma. Thankfully, our community college system is really rolling and they're moving in that direction and helping to provide for that. But I think that at some point we're going to have to recognize that there is a portion of the population where there is more incentive for them not to work than to work. And we're mm -hmm. just going to have to deal with that because at the end of the day, you know, it's like a, for instance, they talk about supply chain issue. We don't have a supply chain issue. We have a manpower issue. That's what supply chain issues are. And so I think that that's something that we're going to have to address. And my hope is that in the next legislature, we start to see what we can do at the state level to start to make that happen. We've got to help our businesses. I talked to a business owner right before I left Raleigh. He's got 60 employees and he's been raising, raising, raising his rates that he's paying them to keep them. And he said, I've hit the ceiling because now I'm starting to lose sales because I can't, I can't, he's in a luxury business that financing is not an issue. He said, I'm, I'm losing sales because I've gotten too expensive. No, I, I think you're uh, right. I think this, this labor shortage issue that we've been dealing with is, is, is really hurting a lot of small businesses. And you all know that um, I'm deep into the, the restaurant business. And recently I just um, spent some time walking through JNS cafeteria, which we shut down permanently in high point this year. I just spent some time walking through the facility after we've sold all the equipment. And, um, you know, this is a family owned company that's been around since 1984. And, um, you know, at their high watermark year, they had probably about nine or 10 cafeterias and now they're down to one. And a lot of what's happened to them in the last 18 months is related to labor and manpower um, and just not being able to find the people that can come in. And we're still seeing more restaurants that are family owned that are shutting down permanently for the same reason, because owners are just getting fed up with the entire labor situation, not to mention the um, the silent killer, which is inflation and the cost of food going up too right now. You, you know, um, Treasurer Falwell, we're moving to close. We've spent a lot of time talking about the strengths of North Carolina. You, you really highlighted, Will, um, no one else can compare to this state. What are some weaknesses? What do we not think about? What should we be talking about? Well, we should talk about elected officials who, when they show up and they stand up, they attack people and don't attack problems. So let's start right there. Uh, and we've got a, a, a whole industry that's being built on selling rage, R-A-G-E. They don't have anything to do with better public education, public safety, public works, or public roads. Uh, secondly, I want to remind your listeners that the biggest business in this state is the state. The second biggest business are the school districts. The third are the counties and the fourth are the cities. So when we talk about this employment crisis, I absolutely agree with uh, Representative Zinger. 
Uh, let's don't forget that the employment crisis is hitting essential services inside of our state and local governments more than anything else. So my comments, closing comments, are a little bit like a country music song. I sort of burnt you down, now I'm going to build you back up by reminding all of your listeners to go to nccash.com. Uh, we have uh, uh, smashed all records this year, paying out over $105 million this year. Uh, we just found a half a million dollars for a state agency, uh, half a million dollars. A uh, couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, Jeff Singer and uh, Senator Crywick have been scrubbing that list for a, a person who was a beneficiary of a life insurance policy and no one ever told this person. Mm. Uh, so all your listeners can go to nccash.com, check their name, maiden, kids, parents, church, nonprofit, and their, and their for-profit business name, and they'll be shocked. And the last thing I'll say is a person who nearly uh, did not survive COVID in March of 20, when no one really knew what COVID was. I think what the last two years has shown us something we should have all known, and that is the importance of women in our society. Uh, when you talk about the employment crisis, when you talk about the online learning, uh, I think it's put a, a, a proper amount of sunshine on the role that women play in keeping our society together. Treasurer, I appreciate those comments, and that was a very fitting way to close out this, what I thought was a really good roundtable conversation. It, it still went way too fast. I will tell my audience that the treasurer has not successfully found me any cash yet. Um, I, I, I check all the time. He has not found me anything, but he has found a friend of mine. So I, I know it works. Um, he did help a friend, out, friend of mine out who's a business owner in Winston-Salem, which we greatly appreciate. Um, so yes, um, please go check and see if your your name is on the list. Um, you found me thirty two dollars. Oh, thirty two. Hey, every every, every little bit counts. Every right. little bit counts. My, my son got ninety. So thank you, Treasurer. <laughs> I mean, it's great. So uh, it, so so for my audience that was just listening to his passionate plea, it it does work. Go right ahead, Treasurer. I guess you haven't read Statute One Fifty Six A Three Paragraph Four and Five. If your last name ends in cash, you don't have anything at NC Cash. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for that clarity, Treasurer. To my audience, I really appreciate you guys locking in. You have certainly been blessed with this conversation today, um, just highlighting a lot of what's happening across North Carolina, politically and in terms of business. Um, the climate is great here in North Carolina. The future is bright, um, but we have to do our part to make sure that we stay on this path. We got to make sure we keep regulations down. Um, we got to make sure that we keep this, the fiscal health of the state very, very healthy. Um, and we've got to continue to march forward um, along this path. I want to thank Representative Zinger, Treasurer Falwell, and Robbie Perkins of NAIP My Triad for joining this conversation. Um, those are the other voices that you heard. And to my audience, make sure you stay tuned to WTOB because that's where you can lock in every Sunday morning at 730. But if you happen to miss me there, you can download the podcast that's available on Apple and Spotify, wherever you like to find your favorite podcast, you can lock in with me there. Make sure you follow Algernon Cash on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And until next time, y'all stay locked in. The executive producer of the Locked In Podcast is Algernon Cash for WCG. The associate producer is Tim Beeman for Such and Such Media. The views and opinions in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and are not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. 
This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of WGC.